Welcome to the Voice Over Nations broadcast. I'm your host, Carrie B. Welcome to Vine Radio, a radio station that is changing lives all around the world. I'm glad that you were able to tune in today. I have been speaking about, teaching about, the ninefold ministry gifts of the Holy Ghost. Now, in the midst of that teaching, I said uh, that the gifts that Christ has given to men and also the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit, all of these were built on the foundation of love and unity. And if you're not operating in love and unity, these gifts will not work in their full manifestation on your life. Now, in the midst of laying this foundation, I came from the book of Ephesians, uh, the fourth chapter. And I was speaking about the fivefold, what we call ministry gifts or offices that Jesus left to men before he ascended on high. And I said that I would come back and revisit that again and show you, according to the word of the Lord, how these five gifts were on the life of Christ. And that's why he was able to give them to men before he ascended into heaven. So let's revisit a few scriptures once again. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Let's look at the seventh through the twelfth verse. The seventh verse says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now this is the Apostle Paul teaching this. He said to every person, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We've all been given a measure of faith, a measure of grace. It was given by Christ. Therefore, he says when he ascended, speaking about Christ, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, all of those that had died uh, in the Lord um, before Christ uh, had risen from the grave, they were in a place called paradise. It was a waiting place until the Savior could come and set them free. So when Christ ascended, all of those that were locked up in the bowels of paradise, uh, a waiting station for the righteous, they were taken up with him as he ascended on high. Let me read it again. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now, as he's going up into heaven, He's leaving these gifts that were on his life. He's leaving them to his body, to the body of Christ. Now, Christ is the head of the church. He operated in all five of these offices or ministry gifts. He's going up into heaven. He knows that the body is going to need to operate in this power. So he leaves these gifts unto men. Now, what are the gifts? The 11 verse says, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Not God the Father, not God the Holy Spirit, but Christ gave. If you have a pastor, that position, that office, that gift has been given to that person by Christ, not God the Father. So we need to know this. So now uh, the gifts are the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. These are the gifts that Christ left to the church. The reason uh, for it, uh, their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work. It's the equipping of the saints and the building of the church. 
doing the work of the ministry. That's the purpose of these gifts. Now, let me show you um, a few scriptures where we can uh, see through the word of the Lord how Christ operated in these five ministry gifts. Because most of the time, we never teach about that. We're always talking about the gifts that left unto men. But very seldom we see in scripture how Jesus operated with these gifts on his life. Um, Jesus is called the apostle and high priest of our profession. And let's take a look at this scripture found in Hebrews, the third chapter. I want to take a look at the first through the second verse. He's called the apostle and high priest of our profession. It says, therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Now, the writer of Hebrews says, fix your thoughts on Jesus, who we call, who we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. And it says, he was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all of God's house. Now, what is this saying? When you hear the title of an apostle, an apostle is one that is sent. They have been commissioned by God. They have been sent into the earth with a powerful anointing, a powerful grace on their life to do the will of the Lord. Now, the term apostle, it appears about 80 times in the New Testament. An apostle is one that is sent out. That person has a special commission on their life to release the gospel of Jesus Christ to the uttermost parts of this earth. And uh, Jesus was that one. He was the one that was sent by God, the purpose to seek and save them that are lost, to undo the works of the devil. He came as this chief apostle, as this great, powerful man of God. He gave the apostle Paul and the others, he gave them the example of what an apostle was and the power that they operated in. I'm telling you, Peter's uh, was so uh, powerful that his, uh, his shadow was healing people. I think there's about to be a, a reconnecting, a restoration of these ministry gifts. Not that they went anywhere in the first place, because you have some people that teach that says they're no longer apostles. They're no longer prophets. All you have is a pastor, evangelist, and a teacher, all the other ones. Well, who got rid of them? It wasn't God. They, they never went anywhere. Now, they may not have been operating in the power of Peter and Paul and the rest of the apostles. But let me tell you something. They've always been around. I mean, we have some powerfully apostolic mantles that God has released in this earth realm. Uh, you know, there's been a debate whether a woman can be an apostle or 
is just the office of a man. That's not a, a battle I'm fighting. I believe that God can call and choose any person he wants to. <laughs> I mean, we be fighting about, you know, you don't have this bishop and you don't have this apostle. I ain't fighting that battle. Uh, that's not my assignment. So I'm just telling you, according to the word of the Lord, that Jesus was an apostle and he was a high priest of our profession. So the definition, again, of an apostle is one who was sent out, one that is commissioned by God. Jesus was sent by God to introduce the gospel and die for our sins. He was a messenger who introduced the attributes and the characteristics of what a true apostle was. Jesus was the example of all five ministry gifts or offices. They rested on his shoulders. That's why he was able to give them to the church because he had them in the beginning as the head of the church. He was able to release them to the body of Christ, to the church, because he was the head. He already had them on his life. And he knew that we would need them down here in the earth if we were going to do greater works than these as he did. An apostle, once again, is specially commissioned, a specially commissioned messenger of the Lord. They are set apart and sent out on behalf of the kingdom of heaven. Now, part of their duties include imparting spiritual gifts, planning churches or ministry, evangelism to the lost and uh, the shepherd. They build up, they equip. They anoint. They do all of these things. Uh, an apostle comes to set a house in order, to set things in order. Praise God. They have a, the, the, the apostolic gift of the apostle can touch all the ministry gifts. Amen. It's like, um, like the thumb. The thumb touches every finger. Praise God. The index, all of them, the thumb. So when we think about it from that perspective, that's why these apostles were able to turn the world upside down and to do the great things that God had sent them out to do. Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, the church. I mean, you look at uh, when, when uh, the uh, Holy Spirit fell on the day of Pentecost and this power came and how these these apostolic voices would just raise up. I'm telling you what, the church began to grow and to multiply because of the call on their lives, because of this power that God had given them. Now, um, the family and the kingdom of God is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We think about the body of Christ and we think about the kingdom, it was built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Just think about the Old Testament prophets, how they planted the word of God, how they actually, the things that they did were the foundation of the New Testament coming into being. The prophetic words that they spoke, the prophetic acts that they did, all of those great things that God, uh, most of the kings had their own personal prophets that would give them counsel and insight into certain matters that was pertinent to the heart of that particular king. Whether it, it was a time to go in battle, 
about what they should do in times of crises, they would always call that prophet. Now, a lot of them had the false prophets of Baal and all they were doing was lying. But when you had one that had a true prophet of the Lord, they gave them great insight. So the family and the kingdom of God is built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophet. Amen. Ephesians, the second chapter. Let's take a look at the word of the Lord and let's see what it says. Praise God. Ephesians, the second chapter, the fourth verse, it says, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Now, now the writer is saying, God is rich in mercy because he releases this new mercy every day to us. When we were dead in our trespasses, in our sins, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You cannot even be saved without the grace of God. He not only saved us, saved, saved us but he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ. God is always releasing and displaying his grace towards us, his goodness, his mercy, his grace, his love all the time. If we could just really look into the realm of the spirit and see these attacks that are coming against us and how God with his angels and with his grace is stopping all this stuff, man, I tell you what, I mean, every day that you wake up is by the grace of God. It's by the mercy of God. That all those demonic decrees that have been placed on the books of hell are being destroyed by the grace of God that he's bestowed upon you. For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So this is a gift from God. Salvation is a gift of God. Not by your own doing. You can't save yourself, but it is a free gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. We are supposed to walk in what kind of works? In good works. That need to be preached. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them, those good works. Therefore, remember that at one time, you Gentiles in flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. So what the writer is saying that one time the Gentiles were called uncircumcision people. They had no covenant with God. And they were called that by the Jews who were circumcised. 
Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants and promises, having no hope without God in the world. The writer is saying, remember, don't get to a place where you're boasting. You had no covenant with God. You were alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. You were strangers to the covenants of promise. You were on your way to hell because you didn't have a God on your side. But now in Christ, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought close by the blood of Christ. Praise you, Jesus. You were brought nigh by the blood of Christ. You were brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. Who is our peace? Christ. Wanting to bind him, used to sing a song, you are my peace. Speaking about Christ. For he himself is our peace. If you're living in a time where there is no peace, ask the Holy Spirit to magnify the peace of Christ in your heart. He is our peace. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing walls of hostility. Christ did that according to the flesh when he died on the cross. He broke down all of that partition, all of the hostility between the Jews and the Greeks and any other thing that was holding us back. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in, in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. What Christ did when he died on the cross, he, he fulfilled the commandments. He nailed those commandments, those righteous uh, acts uh, that were contrary against us to the cross. He paid the price with his sacrifice in his own body. So he was making peace that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. He preached peace to both the ones that were near and far off. He's the Prince of Peace. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. The Jews have no reason to boast. The Gentiles have no reason to boast because we are no longer strangers. We are not aliens, but we are citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Now listen, the 20th verse. Let me read the 19th again. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone or the chief cornerstone. He's the chief apostle. He's the chief cornerstone. Built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, in whom the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Come on, this will preach right here. In whom the whole structure, we, we join and fit it together. We grow into a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God 
by the Spirit. Uh, that's powerful. So we're speaking about how Christ, how He operated with the fivefold ministry gifts on His life. Uh, the next one is going to be about the prophets and the rest. Guys, I hope this was a blessing. I want you to tune back in. Share this broadcast. This is Voice of the Nations. Take care, and I'll talk with you soon. Praise the Lord, everybody, and welcome to the Voice of the Nations broadcast. I'm your host, Kerry B. The station is Vaughn Radio. I've been teaching about Jesus operating in his fivefold ministry gifts. Powerful teaching came from the book of uh, Ephesians, the fourth chapter. I spoke about before Jesus ascended on high, how he left gifts unto men. These fivefold ministry offices are gifts, the apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He had these gifts on his life as he ascended up into heaven. He left these gifts unto men for the church, for the body of Christ to equip the saints. And I'm gonna show you through scripture how um, each one of these gifts, each one of these offices, he operated in as a man here on this earth. Now, the last lesson I spoke about, he operated in the life of an apostle or the office of an apostle. Today, I'm going to speak about Jesus as the prophet. Now, this teaching is Jesus operating in his fivefold ministry gifts. Um, Deuteronomy, the 18th chapter, I want you to turn there and let's take a listen to what Moses is saying. Moses, this powerful prophet of God. It says, Moses continued, the Lord your God, and listen to what Moses is saying in Deuteronomy 18 and 15. It says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your fellow Israelites, our brethren. You must listen to him. Now, Moses is calling himself a prophet. Now, most people don't even know that Moses was a prophet, especially that Jesus was a prophet. All we know is Rabbi, the great teacher. Uh, but Jesus was a prophet of the Lord. All of his ministry gifts, I mean, all of those miracles and stuff, um, I believe he did those in the office of a prophet. Moses said, the Lord your God, and he's speaking to the people, will raise up for you a prophet just like me from among your brethren. And this prophet, you must listen to him. For this is what you yourselves requested of the Lord your God when you were assembled at Mount Sinai. You said, don't let us hear the voice of the Lord our God anymore. I see this blazing fire for we will die. Now, this is what they were saying when God ascended, descended on Mount Sinai. Um, they didn't want to see God. They didn't want to hear God. They wanted to hear from Moses. And then the Lord said to me, what they have said is right. And I will raise up a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. And I will put my words in his mouth. And he will tell the people everything I command him. Now, that's one of the offices or the gifts or the abilities or the callings of a prophet to tell the people what thus says the Lord. A lot of people get upset when the prophet has spoken and they have declared a word. But according to what Moses is saying through this scripture, 
He says that God said, I will put my words in his mouth and he will tell the people everything I command him. Now he's speaking about Jesus. He said, I'm going to raise up a prophet just like you. I'm going to put my words in his mouth and he's going to tell the people everything I have commanded him. And he said, I will personally deal with anyone who will not listen to the messages the prophet proclaims on my behalf. Now, that's powerful. Jesus came as a prophetic voice of God. And according to the words of Moses, God told Moses that I'm going to personally deal with any person who will not listen to the message of this great prophet speaking about Jesus. Because he was coming in the power of the spirit of truth. And if you did not listen to him, if you don't listen to him, God said he's going to deal with that person. Amen. That's why when we're in a place and the word of God is being preached or the word of God is being taught or proclaimed and we reject that word, we place that word on the back burner because it's not what we want to hear in that hour and God said I'm going to deal with that person and if sometimes you can miss your hour of visitation because you did not receive the word of the Lord with gladness sometimes the word of a prophet will bring you into a place where you can prosper in the area where you need to prosper in but sometimes other times it will warn you of things that are about to come so you can prepare your house to be in safety when these things happen. Praise God. So Jesus was a prophet of the Lord. Matthew 21. I want you to turn to Matthew 21. Let's look at the first verse. Matthew 21. I'm going to look at the first verse. I got to give you the scripture. I got to show you this word so you can be equipped and empowered uh, with this knowledge. It says, now, when they drew near Jerusalem, speaking about Jesus and his disciples, and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And Jesus is given instructions to two disciples. He said, I want you to go to this certain village. And when you go there, now he's operating with a word of knowledge. He's operating in discerning of spirits. He said, you're going to find a donkey tied and a coat with her. Loose them and bring them to me. Now, he hadn't been there, but he knew this knowledge. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. Now, evidently, this person had already been told uh, that the Lord is on the way, and he's going to need what you have. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a coat, the foal of a donkey. 
Now, this had been prophesied that Jesus would come into the city riding on a donkey. That's why I said on our last teaching, speaking about the apostles, how the family and, 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 and so many things were built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Now, it, it was a prophet that prophesied that Jesus would come. Moses said that God would raise up a prophet like himself and that the people would have to hear him. Someone else prophesied that he's going to come in and he's going to be riding on a donkey and lowly. Praise God. Sixth verse. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. And they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and sat him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before them followed and cried out, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. This is what we call Palm Sunday. So they're speaking Hosanna, Hosanna. They see the master coming. He's riding. He's humble. He's on a lowly animal. And they're saying, blessed, Hosanna. You know, they're throwing down their uh, crowns, if you will, towards him. They're giving him honor and praise and glory. They're excited to see because it had been prophesied that he would be coming riding in a lowly manner. That's why the word of the Lord is so good. That's why we have to go back sometimes and we have to review that which have been prophesied uh, about our destiny and about our future. Because sometimes the prophetic word of God will bring excitement to you. It will bring you into timing. Sometimes you could look at it and it will bring, it will reactivate that gift, that calling, uh, that word on your life. Praise God. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, who is this? Jesus and his boys are coming into the city. A mass of people is in Jerusalem. The whole city is on fire. It's lit with praise and worship and adoration about this man that's coming into the town. Evidently, some of them had never heard about him. Some of them had never seen about him and others did. But the whole city was in an uproar. And they said, who is this? Because the whole city was moved. Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. They asking the question, who is this man? Why is everybody around him trying to touch him? Why is everyone trying to get uh, next to him, going before him, laying down their palm branches? Why are they doing all of this? 
And the Bible said the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet that had been spoken about from Nazareth. This is he. This is the one. We've been waiting years and years and years and years for this to happen. Here he is. Here he comes. He just passed by. Run to meet him. Man, I imagine that was a time right there. They say this is the prophet. Well, we're speaking about Jesus operating in all of the five offices and ministry gifts. We spoke about Jesus as an apostle. I'm giving you some G uh, 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 scriptures that's showing you that Jesus was a prophet also. Let's take a look at Mark, the sixth chapter. Mark, the sixth chapter. First verse. And it says, Jesus left that part of the country and returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. He's coming back home to Nazareth. And the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed and they asked, where did he get all of this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? Now he's home. He had been gone for 30, uh, for several years, I should say. Uh, he came back. He started his ministry at, at the age of 30. He came back. He's teaching in the Sabbath, teaching on the Sabbath, I should say, in the synagogue. And they're amazed at his wisdom, his knowledge, his understanding, the revelation that he's bringing forth. They're amazed at how he had the power to perform miracles. And then they scoffed at him. And listen, now this is the rejection of a prophet. This is the rejection of a, of a prophetic word. Then they scoffed at him. He's just a carpenter, the son of Mary and the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon. And his sisters live right here among us. And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. They were deeply offended. They were not just offended. They were angry. They were angry to the point where they start to, started to scoff at him, to jeer him, to laugh at him, to dishonor him, to rebuke him. Who does he think he is? He ain't nothing but a competent son. Son of Mary and Joseph. His brothers are here. His sisters are here. We know his whole family. Well, who do you think he is? What great university did he go to to get this knowledge? How is he performing these miracles? I'm sure someone probably said he's probably doing it by a devil himself. He's probably casting out devils by the spirit of Beelzebub or somebody, some, some, some spirit like that. So they would not believe him. They were deeply offended at the call that was on his life. Then Jesus told them, a prophet, speaking about himself, is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and his own family. Jesus said, he's speaking about himself. He's, he's now rebuking them. He said, now you're talking all this stuff. He said, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his hometown and among his 
relatives and his family. He's honored everywhere. You can go to any other city. They may know you or may not know you, and they will receive you. But the ones that grew up with you, the ones that know you in your hometown, Jesus said they will not honor you. They will reject you. You're honored everywhere. He said a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown with his family and relatives. Fifth verse. And because of their unbelief, and because of their unbelief, he had the power to heal, deliver, to set them free. He had the power to speak a word into their lives that would change their family structure forever. He had the power to bring forth prosperity and wealth in their hands. He had the power to overturn anything the enemy had done against their bloodline. He had the power to forgive and the power to heal, but they reject the prophet that God has sent. And the Bible says, he couldn't do any miracles among them except to place his hands on a few sick people and heal them. You see, the power of the prophetic had been cut off because the people would not receive it. They would not hear it. They didn't like the messenger. They knew his past. They became familiar with him. They said it was no way possible this could be the same guy because we remember when and when and when. This can't be. Mary's son, Joseph's son, the more crazy brothers he got, and sisters, come on. That, no. Mm -mm. And they rejected him. And the sixth verse says, and he was amazed at their unbelief. Then Jesus went from village to village teaching the people. I imagine Jesus was so excited to go back to his hometown of Nazareth to bring the word of the Lord, to break the bread of life with them, to teach them in the synagogue, to open up powerful truths of the word, to have the ones that he knew in the past that was sick, that he can go to their house and heal them, restore them, the crippled, the blind, the lame, but they did not want it to come from him. They rejected him. And by rejecting him, they rejected God who sent him. Now, remember, Moses said that a prophet like myself is coming amongst you. And that you should listen to what he has to say. Because if you don't, then God is going to deal personally with those people. That's what the prophet Moses said. Now, you look at the life of Jesus time after time again. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the church leaders, were rejecting him. I can kind of see why the Bible says that judgment is coming to the house of God first, because the house of God doesn't believe the scriptures themselves. They reject. They floss over what the word of God says. And many of them not living right. So Jesus was amazed. I think the other time in scripture that um, I remember Jesus being amazed was he was amazed um, at the faith of the centurion soldier. Isn't there something? 
They were right there with him. But yet when he had gone away and uh, he was being prepared for ministry, when he came back, they could not recognize, they could not, they could not fathom that this is the same person. And so they rejected a call on his life. They rejected from being healed, set free, and delivered. You see, because when they rejected him, they rejected a healing, their restoration, deliverance, and everything that he had to give. They just threw it away. We're speaking about Jesus operating in the five ministry gifts. Guys, that's all for this broadcast. This is Carrie B., Voice of the Nations, Von Radio. Be back real soon. Be blessed.